0: Hey, two quick housekeeping items before we start. First, today is going to be the first episode in a two-parter on the potential political implications of COVID-19 in Ontario. We're excited to bring you this podcast. The first is an episode with Dr. David Coletto of Abacus Data, where he goes through his recent polling with us on COVID-19, how Canadians are feeling about it, and what it could mean for our politics. The second is a dive into the policy response so far with Grima, Alvin, uh, and Harmon. So look forward to that. That will be out on Thursday. Second, we're on this podcast on listener support through Patreon. If you go to patreon.com/ontarioloud or ontarioloud.ca, you can sign up to support us for anywhere between three to fifteen bucks per month. This, however, is a unique time, and just want to say if you have been hit hard in any way by this time, and you need to pause your payment, uh, that's something that you can do on Patreon. You can uh, correct that yourself. Um, if you'd rather be sort of have us put you on pause and then let us know through email send an email to ontarioladmail at gmail.com and we can pause your payment that way as well we completely understand whatever you need to do Um, we're thinking about you through this time and sort of no matter what we will keep bringing you the same podcast and so that's it for me on the pod Welcome to Ontario Lab, podcast of politics, public policy, and current affairs, hosted by recovering political and policy staff right here in Ontario. I'm Chris Martin. I'm Alvin Tejo. Yes, you heard that right. Alvin Tejo is back for newer listeners of the pod. Alvin was a founding co-host of Ontario Lab when we started. Took a break to run for leader of the Ontario Liberal Party, and now is back, so I so good to have you back, man.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to be back. It was a it was a fun experience for the last uh, uh, almost year. Um, But uh, definitely had a lot of great experiences, especially coming out of this podcast. Uh, I recruited a number of uh, delegates and volunteers because they had been listeners of the pod. So If you're listening and uh, you were part of our team, thank you so much. But it was great because, you know, this gave us an opportunity to talk about some really important issues uh, and to raise it within the party. And so I'm really happy and really proud of what we were able to do, but really happy to be back on the pod now.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we'll be getting into some of the dynamics of that race uh, later on. But I just want to say we are all excited to have you. We have a really full team now and uh, yeah, really excited for the for the months ahead today. We will be talking about some pretty seismic changes in Ontario's political landscape. We had originally planned to bring you a podcast examining the matchup between newly minted Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca and Premier Doug Ford. But then this little global pandemic happened and we started seeing something interesting. Namely, Doug Ford started getting decent reviews on his performance, something that has been notably absent from most public polling since he was elected. So for context, last spring, Doug Ford's conservative sat at 22 percent, according to Main Street Research, well behind the then leaderless liberals. A mainstream poll out last week had tied him with the Del Duca Liberals at 33% and actually slightly ahead amongst decided voters. Another ECOS poll gave Doug Ford 64% on his approval, specifically related to his job covering dealing with COVID, comparable with Justin Trudeau's reviews in the same poll. So to help us understand, explain this relationship and how Ontarians are feeling in this moment, I'm so excited to welcome back to Ontario Lad, CEO of Abacus Data and Ontario Lad preferred pollster, David Coletto. David, welcome back.
2: Thanks for having me. Excited to be back.
0: How are you doing? Holding up?
2: Oh, you know, I think like, like most people, a um, little bored, a little uncertain, a little worried, but healthy and and grateful for that. So upsides and downsides right now. Absolutely.
0: So, David, I want to get r- uh, right into it. It seems like this moment that we're in could be the beginnings of a shift in our politics in Ontario and probably nationally and globally as well. I saved the best for last in my intro because this week you came out with a poll that examined Canadian attitudes about COVID-19. And I'm wondering if you can give us a sense for how you've measured the mood of the electorate at the moment.
2: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, the first thing is it's so fast moving. It's, it's almost hard to get a grip of what's going on. You know, in, in even two weeks, we saw the percentage of Canadians who felt that they were they someone they knew were likely to get this virus, you know, went up by 27 points. In two weeks. So that's just an indicator of how fast people's views and impressions are shifting. But if I had to sum it up, I think, you know, most Canadians are feeling quite worried, there's a lot of uncertainty, and most are still bracing for the worst, right? When we ask the question, do you think the worst is coming? Or as it has it already happened, we've got, you know, two thirds saying that the worst is still to come. So that's a, an indicator that, that the public is, is still watching this, they they're unsure of where this is going but the level of anxiety, whether it's health anxieties around, you know, is our system going to be able to handle the, the wave that we kind of feel is going to be coming because we're seeing it happen in other countries around the world, whether it's the financial anxiety of seeing a million Canadians, a lot of those in Ontario uh, applying for EI, and the long-term implications. You asked, you know, what does this mean, politics and government? I think it's still too early to say, but there's no doubt that... People's perceptions of the role of government in their lives, uh, government as a force for good that can help solve these these big problems, I think will be reassessed, and I think people will be much more open to government intervening to help protect people. Especially when we look around and see our neighbors or our friends or or just others that that we observe not following best practices, not following the advice of health officials, we do then recognize that maybe you know, we do need a little bit of that heavy hand of government to force us to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. And so these are all things I'm I'm, I'm sort of theorizing about, given how, you know, the public in the past have responded to these big crises. I do think that there's a good chance that a lot of how we view the world, a lot of how we view the role of government um, is going to shift as a result of this.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I certainly feel that anxiety myself, so that really resonates with me. Curious uh, if you see anything sort of special about Ontario in the data. How do we compare with the rest of Canada? I noticed when I looked at Quebec's numbers that they seem super happy with their governance response. So, how do we, how do we measure up?
2: I mean, Quebec, uh, just to start, there is is so different from the rest of the country on their level of engagement, on their willingness to, you know, distance themselves from others, their 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 support and you know, satisfaction with how their government has responded to this. It's like light years, different than, than the rest of the country. But Ontario, for the most part, is pretty similar to the rest of the country on their level of concern, on the level of anxiety that they're feeling. Ontarians are, are more or less, you know, with the average. But there are some exceptions that I saw in the data. And, and the two that I think are most important in the context of the public policy response to this is Ontarians are far more worried than anyone else across the country that our health system is not going to be up to task. That the level of concern around not having enough hospital beds, of not having enough uh, medical equipment, is much higher in Ontario than other parts of the country. And I think it reflects. We saw, you know, earlier this week the the provincial government's emergency aid package, putting a lot of resources into make ensuring up our health system. I do think that while, you know, Ontarians look at our health system and, and say, we're quite proud of it. It's something that we hold quite dear. If you've had any experience with it, you also recognize that it's not the best run and not run in the sense that the people who work there aren't good, but it's it's kind of clunky and it's got faults. And mm-hmm. those faults get exposed at a time like this. So I think Ontarians are are particularly worried about the impact on the health system. And that, that really does show up in the data.
1: And so David, I'm wondering if that's because Ontarians have seen how much influence a government of a of the day can have on the quality of a healthcare system because they've seen you know governments of of all stripes change the funding models and change how they approach healthcare and then having an almost immediate effect and i, I wonder if that history has something to do with sort of that anxiety around the government's management of the system but i'm curious as to what you think about you know, the politics of this and whether or not there's, because uh, it looks like there's a bit of a breakdown between, you know, progressives, liberals and new, de- new Democrats who seemed more concerned than conservatives or anybody else here. What do you think is going on here? And what are the partisan differences and how people are interpreting this?
2: Yeah, I think there, I mean, if you compare Canada or Ontario to the United States, the partisanship as a driver is not as great. Uh, we put out some numbers that showed, yes, liberals and New Democrat partisans are more concerned, or or are less likely to be not worried than conservatives. But the, but the differences aren't that, that great. Um, I think it's probably more to do with that men are less worried than women, and men are typically more conservative-oriented than women are. I think that's gender, to me, of all the research I've done over the last few weeks on this, is the most striking uh, factor in, in, I think, explaining people's perspectives. But the partisanship of it is really interesting, right? It wasn't long ago... When I look at national politics or even Ontario politics, where it was clear where you were headed into a much more polarized environment, where if you were at all uh, conservative-oriented and you looked at what the federal government was doing, you disliked absolutely everything. If you were a liberal or a New Democrat provincially and you looked at Doug Ford, you hated almost everything he was doing. Mm-hmm. But when I ask Canadians, you know how do you, how do you rate the performance of, the provincial, of your provincial government? And you look at Ontario, well, actually, most people um almost all people say that the province is doing as well as can be expected even Ontario Liberals even Ontario New Democrats and so i think we're at a moment where and this is we see it in the past that there's a tendency for even partisans of opposite parties to look at the government of the day and give them the benefit of the doubt recognizing that we're in a crisis that we're reminded of our common you know humanity and the need for our leaders to do well regardless of their partisan stripe so i think I think po- politics plays a role to some extent in, in how we view these issues, but I think because of the way our our, our leaders have responded, regardless of their political stripe, it, it has had the effect of unifying people, as opposed to what you see in the United States, where I mean the President Trump, some of the Republican uh, leaders in Congress have taken a very different view of this crisis, and that and therefore their own supporters have followed them in in those views. In Canada, we've been We've seen much more consensus about how critical this issue is, whether you're Jason Kenney in Alberta, Doug Ford in Ontario, or Justin Trudeau at the federal level. And I think that is different and unique in Canada when we compare ourselves to the U.S.
1: One of the things I was reading about and have been interested in is sort of that rally around the flag effect of of the population um, during times of crisis. So, you know, we're obviously a a, a pretty political group of people here talking mm-hmm. about this topic now. But you know, is this is this kind of the thing that, you know, may really help uh, Premier Ford down the line and anyone else who's currently an in incumbent right now in terms of how they're handling this? And I guess what are, what are Canadians or Ontarians impressions of our leaders right now and, 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 and how they're handling it?
2: Yeah, I think it's still too early to say, I think it, it can go, work both ways. Right now, people are responding well, generally speaking to what Premier Ford and his government are doing, as I said, um, personally you know, 63% say they are very or somewhat confident in his ability to help manage this crisis. Um, And given that for the last year and a half, our tracking has showed almost the opposite number uh, had positive views of the Premier, right? I think our last poll that we did at the beginning of March, the last time we asked our favourable, unfavourable question, we had 23% favourable for the Premier in Ontario and 63% negative. So, you know, he, he has not been a very popular leader for for a very long time and so to have those kind of positive numbers is is striking on the flip side when you compare premier ford to say the prime minister or premier legault in quebec or even premier kenny in our polling he has the lowest level of confidence so in isolation he's doing very well relative to how he's done in the past comparatively speaking i do think that you know how bad the premier's reputation was is still pulling his his numbers down. It doesn't mean right. he can't right. take use this as an opportunity to reset how people feel about him. I think the challenge that the premier and his government has faced is that a lot of Ontarians who either didn't vote for him or many of them who did felt that their motivations were wrong, right? That a lot of the policy choices they were making were driven by petty kind of ideologically rigid, almost mean spirited decisions and what you've seen from the government so far, I think, is almost the opposite, where they've opened the cash register in a way. They've they've been very empathetic. And he's made some mistakes here and there, but everybody has. And so I do think people are at least open to Doug Ford um, uh, sort of being different from their from their pre-existing impressions of him. But the long-term impact is we still don't know how well this is going to turn out. And I do think there's as much risk for anyone leading through a crisis that if things spiral out of control and people can blame him for these decisions uh, for his short-sightedness in preparing our system, that it's hard to 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 sort of pivot away from that. When for the last two and a half years you've been saying we've got to find efficiencies, we've got to watch our our spending, and then a crisis comes and you open up, you know, the the provincial treasury how do you go back and say, we've got to get back to it when people are going to be wanting um, more reassurance that that system's going to be there in the future? So I'm not sure. Um, but I do think that deep down, people are not convinced that that Doug Ford's in it for them. And this is his moment to prove otherwise. We'll see if, if, if it does change people's minds.
0: When I looked in your data at what Canadians were sort of overwhelmingly concerned about, it seemed like stuff that would like really benefit a government. So like, you know, availability of medical beds, equipment outperformed sort of less tangible lifestyle concerns. So I'm curious what you think, what messages you think will resonate to this particular electorate, both from a government perspective and also maybe from the perspective of an opposition party trying to stay relevant in an incumbency-fueled environment.
2: Well, I think the first is people want leaders to... be in control, right? To be well aware, to be informed, to have as much information as they have possible. So, you know, that sense of consistent communications, being accessible, being open, being transparent, I think is really important. And I think our leaders have done a really good job at that, being available, you know, uh, on a regular basis to talk to people and and to hear what's going on. On the flip side, I think it's it's also about recognizing and being honest with people that, that you know, this is fast moving, um, that a lot of the choices that governments are making are unprecedented, and that there's going to be some some mistakes made. And I think that is is really important given the pressure that, that everybody's under, uh, regardless of their political persuasion. In my mind, there's like the, the short term, which is focus on flattening the curve, making sure our health system is prepared, dealing with financial anxiety that people are facing, and demonstrating that government's moving as absolute fast as it can to do that. The long term is much harder in that. How do you start rebuilding our economy? How do you start, you know, getting people back to work who have been displaced over the last few weeks? Um, that's much harder to do. And so I think, I think, I think you know, the Ford government, frankly, has done I think a good job, my view, and I think it ref- it reflects itself in the polling. They just need to keep doing what they're doing and and be prepared. I think from an opposition perspective. Um, much harder because, you know, pol- you got to take politics out of it. And, and so I think there's a role to be constructive. There's a role to identify gaps that maybe the government hasn't seen and focus often on on interests and people who don't have influence in the current system and speak for them and making sure, you know, for example, um, uh, we put out some some numbers earlier this week about renters um, and the crisis and the anxiety that many of them are facing being not able to pay their rent can opposition parties play a role in in being a voice for those those people? So I think that is what I think what opposition parties can do and and put politics aside right now because I do think it would hurt um, people. There, there will come a point in the not-too-distant future where we will assess how well our leaders did. This is not the moment to do that.
0: Well, David, thank you so much for uh, coming on the pod and sharing uh, some of your results with us. Uh, I know our listeners are really going to appreciate it.
2: My pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me, guys.
0: And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank Dr. David Coletto for joining us on Ontario Loud yet again. I think at this point uh, he's tied with Kate Graham for being our most frequent flyer. So congratulations, but also thank you so much, Dave, for being on our podcast and sharing these super important and interesting results with us. Check the podcast back on Thursday. We will have more out from our regular panel. This time with Alvin Tejo, Green Metallic Report on Monday, we will be coming back to the topic, how this pandemic and also the introduction of new liberal leader Stephen Del Duca will impact Ontario's political landscape. If you have any thoughts on what you're hearing or you have any opinions on this, drop us a line at OntarioLoudMail at on Twitter at, at OntarioLoud. Ontario is recorded on the traditional territories of the Mississaugas of the Credit and many nations. We honor and respect the treaties that are still alive today, and support Indigenous people in their struggle to make Canada a less colonial, less racist place. Yes, it is still important, even in this, even in this time that is trying us all. We will see you on Thursday, part two.